Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Yesterday, I went to the pet store and I bought some freshwater fish for my daughter's fish tank. I was gonna surprise her. And one of them died right away, actually. And it was a bristle nose to clean the algae off the fish. They feed off the algae. So I went back to the pet store this morning and I asked to see if they could replace the fish that had died. And they said, well, our policy is you have to actually bring the actual fish back. And I said, that's a problem because that fish I flushed down the toilet. And, you know, then I said, okay, well, can I get another one of those fish? And I'll buy it and everything. And she started to get it. She got it in the tank and everything. And then she asked me how many fish are in my tank. I said, seven. And she said, well, that's a lot, but you can do one more kind of thing. And then she asked me, well, what's the temperature in your tank? And I said, well, the temperature in my apartment is usually during the day when I'm there, like 72 degrees. Oh, that's too cold. And do you have a heater? And she said, I said, no, I don't have a heater. She said, well, well then go get a heater and then you can come back and everything. And we'll get you new fish. And my initial reaction, I wanted to give away my power and say, just give me the fish. Come on. You know, that's what I wanted to say. But then I thought, well, she's doing her job and she's doing a good job and she cares about the fish. And it ended up being a positive interaction. But that stepping back was really important for me because I was kind of frustrated. Just give me the stinking fish. But anyway, it worked out really good and positive. So I'm going to talk to you today about developing a positive perspective, like an outward view of what can I learn? How can I grow? What's the opportunity? She was doing her job. She was helping me. She was trying to be a good employee. She was being a good employer. I'd like to hire somebody with that kind of assertive communication skills myself, skill myself. How do we develop that positive perspective rather than seeing what can go wrong? How are they going to take advantage of me? How are they mistreating me? We can make that shift. So welcome to the latest episode of the Decide Your Legacy podcast. If you found this podcast helpful at any point, subscribe so you'll never miss another episode. Pull out your phone, give me a rating review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast content. Hundreds of you listening to this episode right now have never given it a review. I would greatly appreciate a review and subscription. It helps the podcast grow organically, which it has been doing. It helps it reach more people so it can help more people. I'm your host, Adam Gragg. I am a legacy coach, a podcaster, mental health professional. I want to talk to you today about concepts that you can describe to your six-year-old and they can understand. You can listen to it with your kids. You can listen to it with your friends, with your family, with your spouse. I'm also a fellow traveler. Everything I discussed today, at least it, I believe I struggle with myself. I'm going to challenge you today to listen as a teacher, not just as a student, to think about some concept you get from today you can teach to somebody else in the next 24 hours. And this is the podcast that you do not just listen to. So we will start with an action in just a moment. But Something I did uncomfortable recently, well, I'm actually going to do it today. So at the end of this episode, I'm going to have a seven-minute coaching session with my producer, Brian, and you're going to see some live action. I have no idea what issue he's bringing to me, and we're going to talk it through, and then he's going to leave with something he can apply to his life that will make a big difference. I challenge you to do uncomfortable things because not much is more important to your mental health than facing your fears, your core issues, and not much is more damaging to your mental health than playing it safe. Life is no fun. I'll tell you for sure. So this action. So what is in your life, a situation, a relationship, a challenge, a business opportunity, a business 
problem where you tend to have a negative attitude. You tend to see the negative and what can go wrong, how it could fail, how you could be hurt again, because if it's something we've been hurt with, it's an area where we've been hurt before, it's potentially gonna be easy to be negative about that area now. So an example would be your job, health, playing golf, playing pickleball, playing ping pong, anything. Parenting, your future. Where do you tend to go to the negative? What could go wrong? I'm gonna stay away. I'm not gonna get hurt again. Come on, I don't wanna get hurt. So what is that thing? Write it down in your journal. Speak it into your phone. And we're gonna focus on that three actions that you can take to build, to develop a positive perspective. Life is much better with a positive perspective and it takes work. So let's discuss something that's really important. This is a psychological concept that I would like everyone to understand. It's called confirmation bias. So it's the tendency, this is kind of my definition, but the tendency to find things in your environment and to think thoughts that confirm what you already believe or what you want to believe or what you believe that is keeping you safe and not doing those uncomfortable things. So we're gonna find confirmation of what we already believe. So people do this politically, they do this with challenges, facing their fears, anything in their life which causes some level of discomfort. It's very easy to find confirmation bias. It can be a positive thing too. For example, if you don't notice any you know, green cars and you wanna buy a green car, then you start noticing green cars. There are more green cars. So it's often very negative though. And so the term negativity bias is our tendency for us to find it much, much easier to focus on what could go wrong than what could go right, how it could fail than how it could succeed, how people could judge me than how people could like me or how people could be inspired by me. And the reason is because that keeps us safe. It's in our DNA that we do not wanna be excluded and hurt and rejected because that is dangerous. And if we get rejected consistently, then we're all alone and we're isolated, which to a human, that's life or death. So we can have those kind of emotional reactions to situations and believe that this negativity bias is accurate and our thoughts are lying to us because they're based on other they're based on other people's perspectives, they're based on trauma, they're based on just us staying safe. And then we get sucked into that and we don't see any opportunity in the situation. That's negativity bias. I actually looked up what positivity bias is, which it's not actually an official psychological term from my research. And I would just say that it's the tendency to in to develop the capacity to see in every situation what could go right, even when there's evidence that things could go wrong, because there's always evidence that things can go wrong. There's always evidence. There's evidence that this, you know, that there's evidence that in Wichita, Kansas, we could be hit by a, a tornado because other parts of the city have been hit by tornadoes. I mean, and I've never actually been in a tornado. Now I could focus on that when the weather's bad. I don't, I probably should more because I kind of just still drive around. <laughs> But I wouldn't suggest that, but you know, cause you haven't seen it up close. I've seen and had friends homes who've been damaged. So I've kind of experienced it through other friends, but that negativity bias does not actually keep us safe. It takes away all this good stuff in our lives that could go right. The cost is so great to our creativity, to relationships. The cost is great to our health because of the stress hormones and our stomach issues and all the stuff that can happen biologically because we're stressed out. The cost is great to our professional success, to our financial success, to just enjoying life. It doesn't help. We think it keeps us safe, but really it blocks out all these other good things that are going on in our lives. 
and the way that God's working in our lives and giving us opportunities that we don't even see and recognize because we're so narrow-minded and focused on the danger, danger, danger. So the benefit of learning how to develop a positive perspective is that we start seeing solutions that we didn't even know they exist. It's amazing that when I stop stressing and worrying about something, a problem that I'm starting, that I'm trying to solve, and I just kind of surrender the whole thing and go on a walk and let go and read a book on a different subject and watch something on TV, then a solution can come to me. And it's the right solution. It's like this inside internal intuitive response or action that I can take. And it's the right, it's one that's gonna give me success. But I'm not thinking my way into that solution. The brain's a great, wonderful tool to solve specific problems when we're channeling it in the appropriate way. But it's not our friend when we're just going through life with idle time and letting it free without any kind of constraints. It's not our friend. It'll, it won't benefit you there. So the benefit today is you're gonna feel, you're gonna feel like you have tools you can apply right now to start developing this perspective that sees the opportunity in your life and can start propelling you forward to take that kind of an action, take those types of actions, which is my life purpose, by the way, to help people find that clarity that propels them to face their biggest fears so they can live and leave their desired legacy. And that's my hope for you today as you leave this podcast. So I recently had a friend that said, to me that he didn't like his job. And he said, you know, he doesn't get to help anybody. And he was kind of comparing other people's jobs to his job, which is not necessarily the best thing. And he's got a good job. I mean, he works for a big franchise organization and he deals with money and finances and everything. And I said, well, how many opportunities do you have to impact people in a day? You have as many as me. And he said, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. And then we kind of talked about it some more. And then he could see that, you know, he's not taking advantage of those opportunities to be a light in a dark place because he's not interacting at the level he could with people that he has the opportunity to interact with. And I could just sense his excitement growing as he saw that he has an opportunity to be a friendly, smiling person in the midst of some chaos, in the midst of stress. And that will change you. And that's a positive perspective about his situation. It's no longer, and I made he made that shift just by answering that question. He made that shift. And so from my experience, it's 10 times easier to focus on the potential negative outcome than the potential positive outcome. In fact, this is a psychological fact that it is easier. Maybe not for you, but for the general population. That's kind of psychology 101. Number one thing you can do, action you can take to build a positive perspective is live in the moment. Enjoy the moment at hand. You're never going to have another moment like this. You're never going to have this day again. You're never going to have this day of your life again. This is a valuable blessing. This is a sacred blessing that you get to live this day today. I know that sounds cliche and that rhymes. Well, that's kind of cool. But what I mean is free, live in the moment means to be free of your mind, to be free of your emotions, to not be a slave to them, to actually be present in the situation that you're in right now. And some would say that it's very naive just to be an optimist all the time. And it can be Pollyanna and I get it. You have to look and think about some of the things that could go wrong. They would say that it's not safe to be thinking about all the things that can go right and the potential. But I will tell you, are you gonna be better prepared if you're consumed by everything that could go wrong? Most of those things that go wrong, you're not gonna be able to prepare yourself for. The worst things in my life, I had no idea were coming. I had no idea were coming. I had no idea that I would end up divorced. I had no idea. I had no idea that I would face some challenges that I faced when I was a kid. I had no idea I'd face some challenges that I'd face as a young adult. I had no idea where they were coming. In fact, I was totally blindsided. I couldn't prepare for those things. And I could go back and say, well, I was just naive and I could have prepared myself. Well, no, I couldn't have because of whatever my age, my maturity level. And I'm much more prepared to face the situations when I live in the moment today. And I face the situation at hand and I free myself from all this overthinking and this worry. So are we better prepared? I often ask clients, you know, what are you afraid might happen if you don't worry about this thing? Because they're all consumed in this thing that could happen, whether it's a business trip or it's a 
financial concern it's something in their marriage or something in a relationship or what even their husband or their wife's drinking problem or drug addiction or their kids or whatever and they're consumed by it i said what are you afraid will happen if you don't worry about this well it's going to fall apart you know i won't be prepared i won't be able to help them i won't be able to be myself i won't be able to do good in the situation i won't be prepared to you know survive if i don't you know prepare myself for the worst situation which i think is going to happen and yeah they're focusing on it consistently all the time but they're not living in the moment they're not living in the moment. So they're actually creating a situation where it's more likely to have, in my opinion, the negative thing occur because they're putting so much energy into it. Because what you focus on the most grows. And cognitive bias and cognitive negativity bias and confirmation bias, they all play into this. And we start feeding this and then we stress ourselves out. Nobody solves good problems, solves problems well when they're all stressed out. Nobody can be really creative when they're all stressed out, not at least at their top potential, not at their best. So some actions you can take, a couple things that you can do here to start working on this, living in the moment. So one is to be aware, aware of your surroundings. So I like to sit around people when I do work. I'll go to the library. We have a great downtown library in Wichita. I'll go to Starbucks. I frequent every Starbucks in town and other coffee shops too. Let's go Aroma. I love coffee shops. I love libraries. I love places where I can people, look at people and walk around. And, you know, I love bookstores, Barnes & Noble. We got one of those here in town too. And I still go to these places. Yes, bookstores do still exist. And I like to be able to work hard for, you know, 55 minutes or so, Pomodoro technique. And then I can get my mind off of it by looking at other books or looking at people or take a five minute break and like look at people or whatever is in the store or think about something outside of what I'm actually focusing on. But it keeps me focused in the moment because I know I can have this release where I can let go and focus on other things. So you just become aware of whatever your surroundings might be. So I have a buddy that loves birds and I love learning about birds from him, not from necessarily books or anything, but there's so much to observe and to be aware of. And so you can notice how you feel, you know, the temperature outside, notice what you see and the colors and the texture, notice what you feel, notice what you smell and what you taste and really try to taste the coffee when you're drinking it. That's being in present in the moment. It's a practice and it will be hard. You have to slow down. So sometimes slowing down, especially if you're used to go, 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 and that's a trauma response in your body that you're used to, it takes a while. It can take a couple years to really slow down. So you rent a kayak or buy a kayak or a paddleboard and you really get in the moment. You're not listening to things. You're not, you're just trying your best to be present in the moment, the wind, the birds, everything around you. So some, another thing you can do is some kind of meditative action. And meditation gets a bad rap because it, Lots of things, in my opinion, are meditative type actions. So if I'm in the car without the music on and I'm just trying to be aware of what's going through my head and letting go of it, that's a meditative time that I have, driving to work without any kind of sound going on. So hitting golf balls is a meditative type thing. Journaling is a meditative type action. Giving my dog a bath, which I did on Friday night, go max, you know, was a meditative type action because I just enjoyed the moment. I got in the moment just giving him this time. And so I was able to get out of my head and be present. And that's what we want to do. Listening to music can be meditative. It can be a distraction too. But you decide what's going to get you to a place where you can get space from your thoughts and feelings and observe them rather than be absorbed into them. Breathing as well. So 515 is what I've been practicing. And so five breath in, hold it for a second, you know, breathe in for five seconds, hold it for a second, breathe out for five seconds. And you can do 414, but some kind of intentional breathing practice as well. So second thing to do in order to make progress in developing a positive perspective is to want, is to face your core issues, the real issue. 
And you face it by engaging a plan to relentlessly face your core issues. Because you know whether it's a core issue or not. You may have medicated it and numbed it and hidden from it, but you know it still comes up. It still rises to the surface under stress or in social situations or in situations romantically or in work situations or when you're going to take a risk and you talk yourself out of it because you have these core issues you haven't actually faced. And that should give you hope because if you face those things, often with a professional or a friend, somebody that has skill, a trauma therapist, someone like myself, a coach who has a background in therapy, which I'm still a licensed therapist and all, and I specialize and have specialized in trauma, is to get some way to work through that issue because it's not gonna go away on its own. It's not gonna go away on its own. It's like a diabetic that's trying to manage type one diabetes without insulin when they're insulin dependent and thinking they're just gonna kind of get out of this by eating healthy. I mean, I'm not a doctor that specializes in that, but I would imagine that it's pretty much not gonna happen unless you actually face the core issue that you need to have some medical care and to be on insulin in order to live the full productive life. And one of my really good friends, Jeremy, is a type one diabetic. I know a little bit about it from watching him, but you gotta deal and face the core issue. And it's fascinating sometimes when couples talk to me about conflict, and I ask them to reenact a conflict when I would do, was doing a lot of couples counseling. And I still do some couples coaching and I love it, it's really fun, but a lot of people do not like it who are in my profession. But by the way, people that bring an issue up at first, is it's often not the core issue. So they're fighting about money, but there's some other issue that is actually the core issue. And it might be trust and loyalty and commitment and negotiation. And then we have to get through to the core issue to solve that problem because when that problem goes away, then the other problems go away as well because those are just symptomatic of a core issue that's not actually being addressed because those issues are safer to address than the core issue. The core issue is a very vulnerable issue. It's one that they may not understand whether they can get to the other side. It's a risk to address it. And they may end up having more conflict because of addressing that issue, but it's the real issue that needs to be resolved for them to have the full intimate connection that they can have. You know, and addiction is a relational issue often. It's a medication to not avoid a core issue, a relational issue. In fact, we often manufacture issues because we feel comfortable dealing with those other things rather than the core issue. Happens again and again. And another psychological concept I want you to understand is called cognitive dissonance. And so cognitive dissonance is, is when you're living with inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes. And especially related to behavioral decisions that you make and attitude changes. So for example, if you are an alcoholic, you know that being an alcoholic is against your value system, then that's cognitive dissonance. If there's some dissonance involved, or you have an addicted child, or you have money issues, and it's against your value system, or you're behaving in a way where you're mistreating people, yet you know that that's not the way you wanna live, yet you're consistently interacting in a way where your ego is driving things, and you're proving your worth and you know that's not the way you wanna live and be seen, but you keep doing it. That's cognitive dissonance. So we can't reconcile. So people that go through divorce at times, and often there may in some situations be no other alternative than actually a divorce because there's another relationship and there's an ongoing relationship or there's some situation that's just extraordinarily toxic and I'm all for marriage and I'm 100% supportive of marriage and I'm, I'm a fan, believe me. And the dissonance that people experience when they go through a divorce, even in one of those situations where it's, technically a necessity, at least the separation is a necessity, the dissonance is, is, a tr is tremendous because these are good people who are struggling with reconciling an issue and our brains want to be organized. It wants to find order out of chaos. Yet in many situations, you cannot find order in that situation. So a friend of mine actually lost his wife after a 50 year marriage. He's experiencing a tremendous amount of grief and in the grief process, I believe there's a lot of cognitive dissonance because it doesn't make sense and we're trying to understand. 
And we are living with two competing realities here. They're gone and they're not gone. They're, you know, I miss them and yet they're not here. And even I could have think, done things differently the last year of their life had I known, and that's all cognitive dissonance. And we can find ways by dealing with the real core issues, we can start working on and creating a plan to address that cognitive dissonance. A couple of things you can do here is, and is admit it. I mean, first of all, you have to admit that there's something that's actually impacting you and it's causing you to have this perspective that is not positive, but is negative, even though you're maybe it's subconscious right now, but we can bring that to our conscious awareness if we're willing to. And these meditative practices help talking to friends, engaging it, not running from it. That starts creating this ability to get clarity so you can start creating a plan to face these things. So you figure out what has impacted you and you admit it. So if you could go and go back to your earliest memories and say, these things probably have an impact, had an impact on me then. And even though I don't believe they had an impact on me today, most likely with other people, I would say those things had a big impact on you. You know, whether it was something that you define as being minor or whether it's something that the society would define as being major, but you're able to admit and say that probably had an impact. And it may just be your personality style, how you interpreted things, which could have been wrong, but it was presented in a way that was really hard to take it in a way that was motivating. For example, if you had a parent consistently as a child after sports or music or whatever you did with performance, they would point out what you could work on and improve. Now, some could say, well, that's what a good parent does. You know, they point out what go wrong and they point out what they did and could improve on and say, well, hey, for some kids, that's going to sink in as like, I'm not good enough. And it's going to sink in as like, you don't really, you want me to do better. And I'm not good enough for you because all the stuff I hear potentially and the stuff that sticks is the stuff that I'm doing wrong or need to work on. And that can create a tremendous amount of turmoil inside somebody's head. And they can bring that with them into every relationship and every interaction. How can I perform and fit in? I remember having one client who came to this realization Years and years, I mean, he's in his, he, well, I mean, he was in his 60s when he shared this with me, but this, he told me that he realized that moving from school to school to school as a child had created a situation in his life where he had this perspective that he had to fit in quickly or else he was in danger. And so he'd end up trying to do things to please and trying to fit in because he went through some experiences where he was not, he was an outsider coming to a new school and then he experienced rejection by being himself. And so he decided I'm gonna be safe. And so I'm not gonna say anything except things that please other people. And it didn't pay off for him. I mean, that never becomes a healthy strategy relationally. Ask people that are married, do they want their spouse to always be agreeing with them and never challenge them? No, that doesn't build intimacy. That doesn't build a relationship. You know, a relationship is a dialogue, not a monologue. It's getting feedback, it's listening. People that can't listen and are so set in their ways, they're doing it because they're scared. Because that thing that they have to face, whatever that truth is you're sharing, it doesn't fit into their psychological world right now. And so it creates that cognitive dissonance for them, but that can be a very healthy thing. Cognitive dissonance is not, dissonance is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It points you emotionally to things you have to actually deal with because you know you need to find a situation where you can reconcile this or at least come to acceptance. And that's the key. It's really, some things are irreconcilable. We're never going to understand this side of heaven, but we can come to terms with it, acceptance of that situation. The second thing is what might you be avoiding? So you, you, you admitted that there are some things that have impacted you in your past. And now you ask yourself, what am I avoiding? Most likely, what do I want to face or do I need to face in order to get to the other side? You may not even see the connection right now whatsoever. But hopefully you're thinking a little bit differently right now to say, I have these patterns of behavior in my life because I'm most likely avoiding a core issue. I don't even admit was actually a core issue. I mean, I've mentioned before that I dealt with some things and I'm still dealing with some things that happened when I was five and six years old that I didn't start admitting impacted me until I was in my 40s. Didn't talk to my parents about until I was 47. And I'm three months away from being 50. 
tells you, and I'm in the mental health profession, I have been for almost 25 years, it tells you how easily it is for someone to push things aside that had a huge impact on their life. In fact, I would say I became a therapist in order to avoid, primarily, and then secondary motive to help. Luckily now it's shifted, but a lot of people have mixed motives when they start something new. So numerous studies have shown that people, when in marriages, let's say, that when people don't address core issues that they have, and they, they, they pile up. So maybe at the beginning of a marriage, they have two or three, and then even before the marriage, they have one or two, not enough to actually keep getting married. And then they have other issues because they, they get to know each other better. And then when they let them pile up because they're always fighting about money and parenting and these things that are kind of important and they could be a core issue, but they also could be a distraction. Then those things that pile up end up being contributory factors with the death of a marriage because they haven't actually, they get to the point where they're so stinking overwhelmed by the situation. It's not that they can't and don't have responsibility to address them. They do. And they should address them one at a time, not all at once. I mean, that's like, that's like not good for a marriage as well. You know, but people get to the place in a marriage at times where they just give up and they give up hope and then they do destructive things. And it could be addiction. It could be other relationships. But if they go back and they face and both parties have to face the issue because it may be brought up numerous times. Like I've seen situations where one spouse has brought up the fact that they don't like this aspect of their relationship and the dynamics with either the family, the external family, or the dynamics with their work, or how they interact with the kids, or some core kind of interaction, interactional relational issue. And it's continually, it's continually minimized. It's continually, you know, made not an issue. And so they feel like I can't find a way out of this thing. You know, there's no way to move forward. And they love the person and they want to work on it, but they just can't actually have a dialogue about the situation with their spouse. But that's the key right there. So you face the core issues and you have the courage to face the core issues and listen, and listen to other people's perspectives and be willing to question your own thoughts and to question your own perspective because my perspective is wrong all the time. My emotions come out of my perspective and it's wrong all the time. If I listen to it, I can't. I mean, I, if I listen to my emotions all the time, I would be living in fear. And I have to have friends that tell me, hey, Adam, this is not something to be afraid of. And I have to trust their perspective more than my own on many occasions. And luckily, I am blessed with great friends and blessed with the ability right now, it's better than it was at least, to actually listen at a higher level than I used to. So if you found this podcast helpful, hit the link to Shatterproof Yourself. These are seven small steps to a giant leap in your mental health. This is going to be actions you can take, new transformational content that you will not want to miss, and you're only going to get access to the video and the workbook through this link. Third step you can take to develop a positive perspective is you can start asking yourself, what is the opportunity here? What is the opportunity here? What you focus on grows. So you start to discipline your focus. You have responsibility over what you focus on. You create a discipline of seeing the opportunities and seeing the potential and seeing what could go right. For me, I think one of the secrets of success is just being what society would say is stupid. Because society would say it's stupid not to be prepared. It's stupid not to think about all the things that could go wrong. It's stupid to not have a plan. Yet history is filled with people who have just done things because they know it's right without a plan, at least an organized plan by, by societal standards. And they've done it with a sense of naivete, knowing and focusing on the potential and the opportunity. And their why is so big that they can actually deal with and conquer almost anyhow. And you can call them stupid. I don't call them stupid. I call them smart. You know, these are the people that start a business because they're inspired and they know this is going to help somebody, but they get it going before having it all figured out. 
and they, before having all their finances in order, before having everything in order, they good at going and they work on it. Or the guy that asked to go out on a date, even knowing that, hey, by other people's perspective, she's out of your league, yet they do it anyway because they're confident in themselves and they're not thinking about what could go wrong. And that becomes extremely attractive to the girl and they end up hitting it off. Because one person was naive, but not really. They were just focusing on the right things, not the wrong things. Just being himself or herself in the interaction and not thinking about the response from other people, because that's the healthy interaction, is when you let go of the outcome. That's the healthy risk, when you let go of the outcome. You know it's the right thing, you trust the situation, and you let go of the outcome. So a client recently told me that, that she's not confident. She's not, she's not confident. And I, I, I questioned her. I said, I, I don't believe that. You know, I believe you're confident in some parts of your life. You're just not self-confident overall. I didn't really say that, but I challenged, I said, maybe it's just self-confidence, not confidence. Cause I'm thinking, well, she's super confident when it comes to playing golf because she's really good at golf. And she's super confident when it comes to her job because she's really good at her job. I mean, I can tell she's really good at her job. And so that self-confidence develops as we see the opportunity and we see the good things in our lives and we start working it and we start making it a discipline. When you wake up in the morning, when you go to bed, when you walk throughout the day, you're remembering what you've been blessed with and the good things that can happen. You're open. You're open to the opportunities ahead. So people are often overwhelmed when they want to make tons of changes at once, but that positive perspective can show you and help you see that I can make one change and start building on that one change. You know, what's the next thing in my life that's gonna be a positive change that's gonna start giving me confidence, self-confidence, that I can make other changes? Not this overwhelming, I'm gonna change all seven areas of my life at once. No, it's changing one thing at a time and disciplining ourselves to see how we can. And it doesn't mean not being prepared for the obstacles. I mean, you can prepare for the obstacles. Sometimes if you wanna do something, you write yourself a letter in advance of what you're, of a response to yourself trying to talk yourself out of doing this thing. So I had a client recently that wanted to get up at 5.30 every morning for seven days straight. I haven't done this, but one actually great action would be to write himself a letter that on day five, if he doesn't want to get up you know, the night before or he thinks it's going to be a bad morning, he reads that letter to himself. Like, here's why you're going to get up. Here's the commitment you made and why and the benefits because he was real pumped about it and has been pumped about it. But we figure out and you know that's, that's an opportunity to to remind yourself of the perspective that you had, which was opportunity focused. So a couple actions you can take right here. So you can just journal what's going right. What can I learn from this? What's the opportunity here? You can read something inspiring for 15 minutes a day. I mean, you can start there. Don't start with an hour a day. Start there. No distractions. Just start right there. You can develop a gratitude practice like my daily five and five, baby. I mean, that one is my favorite, but daily five and five, five things from yesterday that are positive, five things you're excited about later in the day. Do it in the morning, but whatever gratitude practice you enjoy, you know, I'll link in the episode to 25 favorite, 25 of my favorite gratitude building questions as well. So I got a special thing from here for you right now. And it's seven minute coaching session with my producer, Brian. Come on down, Brian. Okay. This is my producer, Brian. And he has an issue that he's going to talk about professionally with his business that I have no idea what this is actually going to be. So he's going to share that with me and we're going to do for seven minutes, a coaching session here. And so what's your issue, Brian? I know you got lots of issues, but what's your, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's, there's plenty to go through, but I think one of the biggest ones is most of my new clients. Cause I'm, I'm trying to attract businesses, business leaders who are wanting to grow their brand through podcast. And I think my biggest challenge is most of my clients, almost all my clients come through some my network somehow, right? It's somebody that I personally know, 
or they know somebody who knew that I was available to do this sort of thing. So that's the podcasting doing the yeah. podcasting. So they reach out and then I get them as a client. The part that I struggle with is somebody that's a complete stranger, isn't connected to me in any way, shape or form, finding out about me, contacting me and then becoming a client. I How do they like find it. out about you? So I've, I've got a website forgepodcast.co, but it doesn't get a lot of traffic. I mean, it gets a couple dozen visits. But, but people month, do contact you through that sometimes. I, I get then, some contacts, okay. but it, I have not yet landed okay. a client through that. So uh, I'm going to just define the problem we're talking about here. So it's, it's, it's these, these, these cold leads that call in mm -hmm. and having a process to get them to, to either see if they're a good fit or not. You kind of don't get to that point right. where it gets really, okay. So what makes this important for you? Because I think to me, once I'm able to attract and and gain clients through cold leads, then that puts less of a burden on me going out personally and, and getting them myself or depending on my existing network, right? It becomes independent, allows the business, I think, to scale a little easier than, than just me one-to-one -one going out and trying to do that. And how would, kind of a weird question here, but like, how would other people... How would you know that, I mean, there's the numbers and everything, but how would you know that you were having success in making progress in this area? I think it would be a conversion rate on people who contact me, right? So okay. if somebody, somebody contacts me, whether it's, you know, through my website or sends me a message on social media or calls the phone number or something like that. So you got the, the rate, but what yeah. about like, how would you know inside or how would your, how would people around you know that you're making progress here? How would people, what would they see in you? And it's a harder question that you're making a shift. How would they see yeah. that I'm making yeah. a shift? Yeah, like how would they see that you have, I mean, in a sense, like more confidence in those interactions? Yeah. How, how would you know and how would they know? I think, I think there would be more confidence. I think clarity in, in my messaging, the things that I'm communicating the benefits that I bring, just having more confidence in that. And then people being, you know, like excited about their podcasts and, and their podcasts are growing, I think. Cause that's all external though. That's still like an external metrics. I'm thinking internal. You're thinking internal. Yeah. Like, how would you know? I'm like on the right track internally. And this is moving. I think I'm think I'm going to feel a sense of peace. About like, what you're talking about? About what I'm talking about. Like, I'm going to feel like there's not going to be anxiety or pressure or anything like that. It's going to be very clear to me, this person's a great fit. And I know that person's a great fit and they're going to hire me. Or I know this is not a great fit. I'm not going to be able to help them. And hey, just being able to yeah. share that and having that that peace and that confidence. And what's the biggest obstacle right now that you face? I think just getting the right person to find me, I guess, if, the, if that makes sense. What's the biggest obstacle internally? Internally? Ooh. Biggest obstacle internally. I'm not sure. I mean, to be honest, I um, I would have to think about that. Oh, more. okay. So, well, you, good questions make you think. So, well, now let's create. Let's go to the next step. So, what ideas do you have to? And we'll look go pretty specific here. So, you you mentioned that if you had more confidence in how you were talking and you were at peace with the client and it seemed to flow naturally mm -hmm. and everything. So what ideas do you have that could move that or that could help? I mean, I think the, the biggest ideas that I have, I think I need, you know, maybe some new content on my website that maybe is more, has, has more clarity as to the benefits. Okay. As opposed to like, if somebody 
thinks they want to have a podcast, well, that's already what they're thinking about. I think I can communicate something a little more transformational. And I haven't really done that yet because I think it's more than just having a podcast. I think it's having an entire content strategy, okay. right? Having something broader than That'd just be their, a like podcast. Addressing their objections kind of thing? Yeah, or just yeah kinda, that, okay. it, that it's it's bigger than that, right? It's, it's going to yeah. be something bigger. I think that that's something that I... I've got oh. one of my bigger struggles, I feel like, is just like I don't have a lot of time, right? So trying to create social media stuff, just the bandwidth okay. for that is I just don't have a lot of time available. Is that something I should hire somebody for? Do I need to reach out to some people like that, that have a background in that? So, so I'm hearing like you would have a website developed with more objections and kind of benefits. Yeah. And then yeah. you'd also free up more time. How would you free up more time? Without hiring other people. Free up more time without hiring other people. <laughs> You're pretty efficient with your time. I mean Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I think it's it's maybe look for less sleep. College students. <laughs> I don't can't get much less sleep, it feels <laughs> like. Maybe maybe reaching out to some college students who would maybe need projects for a class ah, okay. or something like that, where it's like yeah. they could use something as part of a portfolio. Yeah. Uh, if there's somebody who's really good like that, I do know. A professor at WSU who's in the communications department. Maybe there's some students that might be looking for okay. projects like that. Okay. So that that's maybe an idea without having to okay. go out and hire somebody. Any other ideas? Not the free up time part, but the moving this forward. Moving this success forward. in this area of cold leads. Of cold leads. I think beyond changing the website, beyond maybe getting some students who could help. Cold leads are hard because because it all either takes time or money. I could I could invest in ads or advertising some sort of a a package or advertising on Facebook or something and trying to figure out targeting for that to uh -huh. somebody who okay um, yeah you know like am I business owners business leaders things like that. So what what action from from this conversation like what insight by talking and answering these questions did you gain? That's I think like one piece of insight. I think reaching out to a few people that I know to see about somebody helping me either with creating an update to my website or some some content for me that's possibly a student that I wouldn't have to necessarily pay. They could get some college credit out of that. And uh, that probably is the biggest one I can take a step on. Okay, cool. So Brian's like your typical entrepreneur. He works on other people's businesses more than his own. <laughs> that's that's very true. Yeah. I, work, I work a lot harder on uh, all the actually, other podcasts. Well, that may than... not be the typical entrepreneur. So. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, remember my 20-80 rule. Inside is 20%. You gained insight by this from this podcast today. Insight from the seven-minute coaching session. Questions that you ask yourself and you answer insight. So, but action is 80%. So whether Brian does this or not, that's up to him, but that's 80% of change. And that will make a big difference. And hopefully you can see that in his face because he was answering his own question. So what resonated with you most today? And in the next 24 hours, talk about that concept, teach it to somebody else, take emotional risk based on what you learned today. If you love this episode, post a screenshot on your Instagram and then tag me, Adam Gragg, G-R-A-G-G. I will love you forever if you do that. Really, really appreciate that. So have me out to speak live or over Zoom and engage with me or one of my legacy coaches for coaching. Love to help you out. So I'm gonna go ahead and sign off the way I always do. Make it your mission to live the life now that you wanna be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. You decide your legacy, nobody else.
I appreciate you greatly, and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.